0: This podcast of local Brattleboro history is brought to you by Brattleboro Savings and Loan, the Bank of Brattleboro. This week in history, we're going to speak with John Carnahan, who is the president of the Brattleboro Historical Society. Last week, you might remember that we were focusing on the Wells Fountain. And as the students were doing their research, they found John Carnahan's name in a lot of the literature that had to do with the saving of the Wells Fountain back in the 1980s. And so thought we should speak to him about some of the projects he's been involved in in the last 40 years or so that have to do with keeping history alive in brattleboro thank you joe i'm
1: looking forward to uh, talking with you about this
0: john can you uh talk a bit about about the wells fountain project
1: yes the um as a lot of people in town still remember I'm sure, there was a gas station at that intersection, which was Linden Street and Putney Road, and the Wells Fountain at that point was sitting in front of the gas station, in front of you are going north, and was surrounded by some mollards, some granite mollards that did provide some protection for it. But basically, it was kind of hidden. It wasn't, didn't have much in the way of, of exposure. At any rate, along about that time when we did make arrangements for moving it or, and relocating it, the, uh, the state was looking for a location for a new courthouse, a new state courthouse. And when they approved, the state approved that building and they put the building where it is now, as you can see, up behind the Wells Fountain and the park that's right behind Wells Fountain. But as I say, at that early point, there was no park, and it was just a gas station. And as a matter of fact, there was some talk at that point about a fast food chain restaurant coming into the spot where the gas station was located, and I think that helped to expedite uh, some thinking on doing something different from that. And we had legislators at that time, Senator Robert Gannett and uh, Representative Bob Emond, who uh, were influential in the legislature for getting approval for the state to buy the entire property, the gas station and the buildings behind, the houses behind it where the courthouse is now located. And that really opened up the opportunity to do something with the monument or the the fountain itself. In order to do things with the fountain, it was necessary to raise money privately. The state was not paying for that. So there was a group of us who, got together and promoted the idea of the park and of moving the uh, Wells Fountain itself, and we had to raise money to do that particular work, including landscaping, the walkways, and that sort of thing. And uh, we had a very good group doing that, as I say, Senator Gannett, Representative Iman, and other people uh, who pitched in to uh, help and the uh, landscape designer came up with the design, the arrangement, which we now see there, where the fountain itself has been raised up higher than it was, and there have been plantings behind it, as you can all see, and then there was a walkway through there and that sort of thing. So it uh, it was a nice project. It was a community project, and it certainly has made the well fountain itself much more uh, visible and I think more appreciated.
0: And safer too I would think.
1: And, and definitely safer too, that's true. Yeah, there had not been any big accidents that I'm aware of that ever occurred at the fountain, but it, it, it did have those bollards around it which would have certainly dented anyone who tried to hit it or might accidentally a- aim for it. But And the bollards have since been moved around. A couple of them are out at the uh, Creamery Bridge now and there are others around town. I can't remember exactly well,
0: thanks, John. And another project you were involved in was the movement of the Defenders of the Union monument, the Civil War monument that's located where the high school is presently and where there was during the Civil War, a military camp and a hospital. Can you talk a bit about how that came to be? I, I know that thing's been moved three times, and I think right? you were involved in, in the last, right. last change.
1: Right. The area there where the high school is now was, of course, the fairground originally, and the fairground for which the road and street are named. And But prior to that, as you were just saying, it was the Civil War mustering in camp and hospital. And at some point before, I think, well, the the fairground was still there, there was a statue or monument erected pointing out that what had been there, the important Civil War camp and hospital. But when the high school uh, took over the property and had the uh, sports fields and the buildings and so forth, there was a chain link fence that was the, the entrance to the sport fields were uh, probably people will remember that but what they may not remember is that there were two gates and both of the swinging gates swung right inside the that civil war monument it's a little hard to describe it but it was it was, the civil war monument was sitting right smack in the middle of this fence and uh, in the gate and was really almost invisible because it was closed in with those chain-link fences. So we wanted to locate it in a better Place where people could see it and better appreciate it. And our historical society, Brattleboro Historical Society, uh, members uh, such as Walt Harrington, and we had a great help from a fellow by name Walt Zaluzny, who do, did the movement, and was moved over to where it is now. Where it is now, it, it has stayed in that place where it. Uh, was moved to uh, but since then there's been the realignment of the roadway there in front of the high school and and in my view very uh appropriate and respectful of the monument. You can uh, people can walk right to the monument and look at it. It's a wonderful monument, I think, to the Civil War called Mustering In and Mustering Out. There are two panels, one showing the fellow being mustered in, all enthusiastic and waving a flag and uh, looking very dashing and neat and that. And the other panel is called Mustering Out, which shows him with a bandage around his head and his clothes tattered and his he's really shows what it was like at least idealized as to what it was like being mustered out it's a very moving i think it's a very moving scene and i'd like to say too that the students and and the people have been very respectful of the monument i'm not i've not known of any vandalism to it in all the years the fellows that moved it put in a very deep bed of rock or stone and gravel to hold it up. And then a, I don't remember exactly what else they put in, but it was well done. I mean, it's there it's there to stay. <laughs> Although maybe somebody else come along and try to move it to some other place. But at the moment, I think it's very nicely situated and much appreciated.
0: Yeah, I think it's been there since 1906. So it's been there a- Hundred and ten years now. That's when the original one. That's yeah. right. I hadn't thought of that
1: as a date. Yeah. yeah. So. And yeah. so
0: it's uh, it's stood the test of time right. so far. Well, with some help. Yeah. Uh, I remember coming here in the '90s and seeing uh, the monument as you say, mm-hmm. uh, sort of fenced in. Yeah. And wondering what is that thing, and, and never really getting close enough to mm-hmm. to get a sense of, mm-hmm. of what it represented, and then once uh, you got involved with Walt Zalusny and. Walt Harrington, mm-hmm. and I know Bertie Sprague was very much involved right. in it as well, uh, the, the local principal yeah. at the high school. Uh, that certainly brought back a sense of dignity to the monument, oh, okay. yeah. and I remember speaking with Bertie, and he was very pleased that he was able to be a part of that and to have yeah. people in the community want to recognize it and have it right, uh, represented right. in the way it was. Right.
1: The monument part is panels that I mentioned a moment ago are uh, bronze bas-relief it's called that type of sculpture rather than a statue or uh, some kind of a design and they're very very touching they're very uh, very moving I think and well represent the problems of people having to go to war and Fortunately, most of them came back, but a lot didn't. And on the backside, they're script as to the uh, number of people who were mustered in there and mustered out and so forth. So it's a, it, it's a very, uh, I think, very moving piece of sculpture.
0: Thanks, John. Now, there's another, uh, another end of town up at the Commons. Uh, where I think you were involved with uh, the bandstand as well. Could you uh, share a little bit about that project?
1: Sure. Uh, My family and I live around the corner on Tyler Street, so we're fairly close to the common, and our children and I used to uh, go over and put the flag up in the morning and take it down in the evening. Since then, that's uh, been taken over by the town. But in the meantime, I was particularly aware of the bandstand because various things that had been there, band concerts, and particularly uh, ceremonies, for patriotic days like Memorial Day or Fourth of July and things like that. And the at, at that point, it, it's a hexagonal uh, shape, and two of the sides in the back were closed, and the front part had a railing around it. So, And the entrance, the only way to get in and out of the bandstand was by a little a kind of a rickety little stairway at the very back. You had to climb up that to get into it. And, of course, it it was not exactly open to the audience uh, with the railing there. And so, at any rate, uh, I should say this is what actually prompted it at the time was, this was 1976 in particular. It was the bicentennial of the the Declaration of Independence. And the people who were in charge of that commemorations uh, program had a uh, fund of money to repair or to uh, restore and and, or I guess maybe even to construct bandstands and it just seemed like a perfect fit for the idea of doing something to to open up at least one of the sides of the bandstand so people could see and could walk up and down for that so that's what we did it was uh, and it's been, been that way ever since I don't know that people can remember when it didn't do that but it was something that we enjoyed, and I think the community enjoys, because performers can stand on the steps there in the front, or stand in the in the bandstand itself, and uh, not have to look out over the rolling. And it was much easier to get in and out. Yeah. <laughs> so,
0: Thank you. Do you know when the bandstand first made an appearance in the Commons? Uh, how long ago that was?
1: I don't know, Joe. I don't have that in mind. There are pictures of it with Teddy Roosevelt speaking from it, and I think that would have been around 1900 or thereabouts. But mm-hmm. no, I don't. I don't have a date on that.
0: All right. So, are there any other projects or activities that you can think of over mm-hmm. these last few years that you've been involved in? Right. Well, actually, there's a little project going on right now. As a matter of
1: fact, with the Snow Angel the original marble copy of the Snow Angel or Recording Angel sometimes it's called was crafted by Larkin Mead Jr who's the one who did this the Snow Angel itself the original Snow Angel and he replicated this in marble, white marble, and there are several copies of it around, one of which was in the, what used to be the All Souls Unitarian Church, there on the corner of Grove and Main Street, and the congregation left that location, went out to West Brattleboro, the West Village Meeting House, and the church building there changed hands and went into other uses, and a copy of that, Snow Angel, marble copy of that, was actually in the church, I should have said that at the beginning was in the church itself as part of a monument or memorial to a man by the name of Willard from up in Westminster who went to Washington and among other things founded the Willard Hotel that people might recognize the name of. In any event, it was a prominent family and the statue, the marble version of the statue, had behind it a large stone, polished stone plaque Uh, that had the name of Willard, and it also told the story of the snow angel and how the the marble version was carved by Larkin Mead Jr., and eventually the marble version of the statue ended up in the front window there at the library there on Main Street, but the the plaque stayed over in the uh, church, and recently the people who now own the church building wanted to get rid of the plaque, and so I took it upon myself to talk with the librarian and, and also the owner of the church to see if it would be possible to move that plaque from the church over to the library so that it would be back together again with the statue itself and people have agreed to do that robin johnson who owns the building been very generous in making this possible and i'd like to thank also art greenbaum and his gpi company they're actually planning to move the plaque in the next few days so uh, i haven't quit moving buildings or
0: t- <laughs> statues or monuments around,
1: but uh, it, and it's always fun. I've, I've enjoyed doing that.
0: Well, I was just thinking <laughs> uh, something you didn't mention but really made a positive impact on was the Beale House. Just in this past past year as well, mm-hmm. uh, the Beale House is owned by the historical society, and mm-hmm. one of the old pipes turned out to oh. be too old, <laughs> right. and yeah. it and it burst, and it had water mm-hmm. in it, and mm-hmm. the water ended up uh, running through much of the house, right. and. Uh, I think you headed up the uh, restoration. Event.
1: Well, I I can't claim to have uh, been the instigator of the original transfer to uh, the Brattleboro uh, Historical Society of the Beale House. That was really Lawrence Cook, Larry Cook's idea, and was carried out actually with Wayne Carhart as the president at the time. What. You're referring to is this leak that occurred in the uh, building there earlier this year, back in March, and so as president, I felt responsible for for doing something about that. And yes, I. Put in a lot of time, a lot of work on that. We had good insurance coverage and uh, did a lot of work. And actually, the part that had to be replaced, I think, is even more attractive than it was before. People seem to enjoy it.
0: Karen Davis oversees it from from the Historical Society. She's sort of our uh, main person. She she
1: is. And had she not had some distractions at the time, family things, she would have been the one to to, uh, lead the way. But she certainly helped and, and supported. And uh, we worked closely together on it, and I was glad to be able to uh, pitch in and do that.
0: And uh, I think the Tasha Tudor Museum's in there, right?
1: Right. Tasha Tudor Museum has been in there now for two or three years and seems to be very successful and seems to be uh, working out very well for them. And we feel very pleased to have them as tenants.
0: Who's the fellow that sort of led the actual? Restoration of the building, uh, the man who oh, coordinated it. Oh, Dunk
1: Stark. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah right. Dunk Stark. Uh, uh, God bless him uh, from West Brattleboro. <laughs> He's been a wonderful uh, help uh, and is a very talented, very, uh, really, an excellent craftsman in his field and have been a big help and supporter of ours and yeah we we cannot say enough good things
0: about Doug. He was a it worked out very, very well. John you've been leading the mm. Brattleboro Historical Society for for a long time now. <laughs> and I know those of us who are part of the, the membership, we appreciate it. What do you see as far as the Historical Society and its relationship with the town and just history in general here in Brattleboro. Mm-hmm. How do you see it uh, unfolding? Do you, mm-hmm. do you see, do you see a, a future for remembering and honoring and Recognizing the the many things that have happened hmm. before,
1: yeah, I, I'm I'm very positive on that. I think that we have a lot of support and a lot of interest. The town itself, the town government, has been very very supportive in providing the space on the third floor of the municipal center, and uh, we're just very very lucky to uh, have this space and and uh, the the town furnishing that for us. What I see for the future actually is uh, more and more interest in the new kind of technology for conveying history, for sending out pictures and information and that sort of thing. And we are really blessed I think to have two or three people who on our board who are especially uh, talented in that field, interested in Combine an interest in history with an interest talent in the uh, technical field. I'm speaking particularly of Bill Holliday and Reggie Martell and of you, Joe uh, Rivers. We're really lucky to have you folks, and we're uh, looking forward to more and more of this kind of thing. Uh, I'm pretty illiterate when it comes to computers and technology but we're delighted to have people who do know how to do it and they've been wonderfully generous and enthusiastic and we will keep right on going so i think the future is bright
0: thanks a lot john (laughs) for your time and and for your words we certainly uh Appreciate
1: that. I just thought of one other thing to say, and that is that we appreciate so much the high school and uh, middle school students who work with uh, history projects. Uh, It's really gratifying to see that interest and that activity, and we appreciate it very much. We thank them all.
0: (laughs) Again, thanks, John. Thank you for listening to the Brattleboro Historical Society podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the program.